Hi, and welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I'm Steve Fortunato, founder of Shovel the Sidewalk. We're a marketing firm in, in Buffalo, New York. We help small businesses build brands and, and create advertising. We do it through authentic storytelling, and that's how we found ourselves. We landed on this podcast, which is all about storytelling and sharing stories of inspiration, information, education, anything to help, help people out. And uh, we are real excited uh, about our guest today. And there she is. It is Rose, <laughs> Rose Dugan. Duggan. No, Duggan. I always, yeah, Rose Duggan, <laughs> not Dugan. I knew a Dugan. Uh, everyone in Buffalo says Dugan, but you're not from they Buffalo. Originally. No. Your story is just awesome. It's so unique. <laughs> and I, I just think it can really help people. It's a story of, I'll say, perseverance, and it should inspire. Um, so Very kind. Well, Thank Rose, you. so you didn't grow up in Buffalo, no. uh, which is why you're called Duggan, not Dugan. So you grew up in Florida, ended up out in Hawaii. But what I want to get to right now, we'll, we'll, we'll get to where Rose works, which is where she's at work right now. She's the director of addiction medicine at uh, Landmark Health Service, Health Systems in Buffalo. But Rose, um, your story is so interesting in that. Tell us about when you went to school. Okay, let's start there. You went to college to do what? the first time. Yes. <laughs> okay. So out of out of high school, I went to college. I grew up in Florida. I went to UNF University of North Florida, wonderful state school. Go Ospreys. Um, and I thought I was going to go to law school. After that, I was a double major, studying English and political science. And all of my extracurriculars were geared towards that track, you know, student government, mock trial team, very politically oriented. And that was my intention. That's what I studied the first time around. And I graduated um, magna cum laude. So I was definitely on my way. Right, right. So you get through that while you were in school, though. A couple you, you, bumps in the yeah, road. Yeah, a little bit. You know, this is where perseverance comes. You got a little sick. I got a little sick. My sophomore year of college, I had some abdominal pain. One thing led to another, and I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Uh, so I spent, a, I had a surgery. I was on a bunch of meds. I had another really big surgery. I did some lengthy hospital stays. And I, I stayed in school the whole time, which looking back is unbelievable. And I was working. But, um, so I just stuck with it. And um, about a year after my really big uh, Crohn surgery, I had a bowel resection, two and a half feet of small bowel and some colon left. Um, about a year after that, I was not feeling well. I figured it was just side effects of everything I'd been through. No, it turned out that I had um, a rare side effect of some of my medications and I had cancer. I had stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma. So then I went through cancer treatment for about a year and had more surgeries, chemo, radiation, the whole, the whole shebang. And, and, and so yet, obviously, I, I, attitude is so much and you obviously are a very positive person. Um, and and it, 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 must have helped you. Maybe it also helped you were a little bit younger, right? Able to get but, through I mean, this. being young and being resilient helped having a really strong community. I had an amazing community. You know, college life. I lived on campus. Um, 
there are so many just like friends and people to surround you. And the Jacksonville, Florida community was so generous. Um, I was part of campus life and some student organizations raised money to help pay for treatment. Um, just had a lot, a lot of support, which goes a long way. Um, my mother and I decided early on that we wouldn't research any statistics about my potential outcomes. We thought like, you can have all the statistics in the world and I could still be an anomaly. So we didn't wanna get invested in what's happened to others. And then just, you know, insisted on living my life. Like mm -hmm. definitely just kept doing my thing. Did you um, research uh, statistics after? A little bit, yeah. And then now I, I'm very familiar with my long-term risk factors because I'm at a point in my life now where that is an issue. I've had secondary cancer. I've had some melanoma removed, which you're more prone to if you have radiation. And then I, I have a pretty beefy protocol that I have to follow now for early detection of other potential uh, secondary cancers. Yeah, I'm going through all that. You better stay on it, you know, so yeah. you're on it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, talk about perseverance. So then, so you end up, you, you graduate. I graduate. Going through all that. I'm working in a law firm and I'm studying for the LSAT and I'm watching these very intelligent, very educated people just spend their whole day buried in paperwork. And it felt so disconnected to me. Like the, like the TV lawyer felt like it wasn't reality. Um, and I felt like I wasn't really helping people and it just stopped resonating with me. And I kept wanting to do something more. I wanted to do something that was more dynamic, that felt, you know, more, more like my authentic self. I don't know, I'm having a tough time phrasing that part, but I, I just, I didn't feel like it was me anymore. I'd been through such a big change. I was a whole new person um, after coming out of all the cancer stuff. So I did some uh, time working in finance. I had a friend get me a job at Merrill Lynch back in the day. And it was a cubicle job. Um, I was very good at it. The money was very good, but I just spent all day in a cubicle and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do for a couple years. Uh, and then I kind of invented this process to figure it out and here I am. Well, so then, but you went back to school. I did, because I had you to go realized, back to school. So, so, but you like, you like healthcare. I like helping people. And okay. I, so I, when I was back in Merrill Lynch and I was getting ready to quit, but didn't know what I wanted to do, I literally made a list on paper, things that I like doing and things that I hate doing. And then I looked at the like list and I thought, what, where are some common things that would create a job or a career? And so some of those things on there were like being outside, uh, being in a different setting every day, helping people, using my hands or my body, like something physical. Um, and so I started connecting those dots on the hate list with stuff like paperwork, you know, sitting at a cubicle, that kind of stuff. Um, and I connected the dots on the like side and I went back to my first original job, which in Florida was, beach, was a beach lifeguard job, Ocean Rescue. I did that for a season and then thought to myself, uh, how can I make this into something with longevity? Because running and jumping into the ocean and swimming and hauling people out is amazingly rewarding. It's so fun. 
the coolest job you can ever have, but I couldn't see myself doing that sustainably for the next 30, 40 years. Um, so uh, going back to school and pursuing nursing is what, what came out of it. I was like, it's, it's uh, similar to lifeguarding in that you're a first responder, you're, you're saving lives, you're helping people. There's a lot of healthcare involved in lifeguarding that people don't realize. It's almost all first aid. And some so of not it can just get like, pretty hairy. Not just Baywatch. It's no, not, that's no. not the real There's like, the real like thing. jet ski accidents, like, yeah. you know, you gotcha. can have some really weird things. And I loved that aspect of it. I found the medical stuff fascinating. And my own experience as a patient had really changed my approach from the time when I was a 15 year old and started till the time when I was in my you know late 20s and still doing it. Um, I really cared about how these people are feeling. What are they thinking? What are they going through? How do I support them? And it was from that angle that the idea of nursing came to be because I was caring so much about the humans rather than like the exciting aspect of the, of the rescue. I cared about the real people. And the aftermath, you wanted to stay connected with them and learn yeah. and make sure that they, so that they did cool. okay. And, yeah. And, so then you went to school and you went got back your, to school. Yep. Did, did a whole other bachelor's degree, got my bachelor's of science in nursing. And then I went down the path of this very wacky nursing career that landed me here. And before we get to here, I do want to ask you, so if yes. someone's listening and they're a young person and you know what, they, 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 what, what's your advice that maybe they don't know what they want to do yet, or maybe, maybe they're in school or maybe they're doing an internship. And now they're like, I don't know if I like this. What's yeah. your advice? I mean, it's you pull super through. hard to know what you want to do for your whole life when you're 18 or 19 or 20 years old. And for me, I had no idea. Um, my advice would be to consider the things you like doing. And what about those things has longevity in a career aspect? Um, and gravitate towards a job that it would at least give you the opportunity to do those things that you like and that you're good at. You know, most of us have tons of interests that don't really translate into a career. I know so many people who are musicians and love playing music, but becoming a career musician is really hard. That's a tiny percentage. So finding other ways to connect to those interests can be helpful. And then my other advice would be have a bunch of jobs. Try out a bunch of jobs. I worked in restaurants. I worked in bars. I worked all kinds of wacky jobs. I was a nanny. I helped move office paperwork for people. Um, and I think in those experiences where the commitment level maybe was a little more fleeting, um, I could see what I, what I did well at in those different settings. That's great advice. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I want I'm just, are we putting too much emphasis on these 18 year olds to decide what they want to do Absolutely. the rest of their life? Which I do want to say this, a very strong personal belief of mine is you are never too old to start over. That's right. You're never too old to make a change. If you are 50 years old and you're miserable at your daily job, it's okay to figure it out again. Great advice. That's right on. Completely agree with that. You can always... Yeah, you can't be miserable. No, that's, life's that, way too short. It's not way only, too long. <laughs> not only does it suck to be miserable, but it's also not healthy. You mm -mm. Know, it's got to affect the body, right? It's got to Absolutely. Stress is the, is the not-so-silent killer. Yeah. It has such a toll on people. Um, 
yeah, life is so precious and valuable and having cancer brought that into focus for me at a very young age. I just couldn't fathom spending every day unhappy. Oh, so great perspective. So, um, all right. So you've gone through, you went through all of, I mean, a lot of people, not a lot of people, I think, uh, would have moved forward in, in all these different capacities. You've had so many curveballs thrown at you. So congratulations for, <laughs> just for, for your perseverance. It is truly inspiring. And I hope it helps others to hear that story and, and decide to move forward and, and take control. Um, so then now you're in Buffalo. Eight years. Yeah. You've been here for eight years. Yeah. Hawaii to Buffalo, though. Yeah, that's where I picked up the Duggan. That was the ex-husband. Gotcha. (laughs) In the Marine Corps. Gotcha. So stationed in Hawaii. Then we relocated to Western New York together. And now we both enjoy happy, healthy, divorced, separate lives. It happens. Excellent. So, but now you're with Landmark Health Systems. Yeah. Which just seems to fit you, you know, with your personality. It is, um, tell us about it. Non-traditional it's a wacky place. I mean, yeah, I'm in me. my office right now yeah. and you can see like the tie-dye behind me. We're definitely not your traditional corporate healthcare setting. I knew Dr. Dr. Mashi, Dr. Jared Mashi is our CEO and founder. And this is his uh, startup. This is his, you know, creation here. So he was uh, basically a sole practitioner. He was renting a small space, had a couple counselors who would work in the evenings when he wasn't using that office. Mm. Um, I knew him and in conversation, he, you know, kind of jokingly said, oh, well, when we're, when we're at a point where we can afford you, I'm going to bring you on board. And I was kind of like, oh, ha ha. Yeah. Right. And then um, his other nurse had some vacation time coming up and he said, can you jump in part time and fill in a little bit? And I did on um, like the weekends, I was already working full-time elsewhere. And then when the company was at a position where expansion was uh, feasible, he offered me a very exciting full-time job. And part of that conversation with him was, what do you like to do? Let's create a role around what you like doing. Because wow. that's the beauty of a startup. About that, yeah. And so yeah. saying we need to fit a person into this position, you create a position for that person. person. And that's kind of been how we've done it ever since. Every time there's a need, we look for someone who has that skill set. But once they're in the role, we have a lot of flexibility and freedom to then cater the role to them and then expand again for what we need next. That's a really cool business discussion. I know we weren't going to focus on on a, a, we're going to talk about what you guys do, but not really the thought of business and hiring. I think that's such a cool approach that, yeah, obviously you have, you have a, you have a need to fill. So that's why you look oh, for, yeah. for candidates, but then you, then you figure out, you know, what are the, th- not only what are you, what are you good at? What are you bad at? We'll try to manage those. Weaknesses. Yeah. Like what do we, you like? It, what, what do you, do you like, like doing? We have two medical assistants and there's a lot of overlap in what they do, but there's also a lot about their roles that are really unique because we're playing to their strengths and we want them to have a role that, that fits them, that they like doing, that they're enthusiastic about. And when you play to people's strengths, that's how you get the best out of them. Well, that's worked well for you guys. Yeah. for us. And and like I said, we're, we're non-traditional. We're, we're, we're wacky. We don't have, you know, 
a lot of the red tape that other other facilities have to navigate. We don't have a, a board of directors that we have to answer to or anything like that. Um, we just have our legal and ethical regulations of medical practitioners. So tell us, uh, there's a lot of services. Um, yes. You provide a variety of behavioral health services. Um, and I want to walk through some of them because a couple of them, I don't know what they mean. Okay. Um, but you specifically, uh, you deal with uh, addiction medicine, but you're also what? Are you the, the lead nurse? How does that work? So yeah, I'm um, the the medical supervisor. I believe is my title in that capacity. Dr. Mm-hmm. Mashi is our medical director. Right. Um, so it's a it's a big conglomerate of services, and we have the medical side, and then we have the clinical counseling side. So we have a whole team of mental health counselors. Um, they offer a wide variety of modalities, and they come from all different backgrounds and education levels, PhD, um, licensed clinical social workers, mental health counselors, and they all have their different specialties and approaches. And then on the medical side, Dr. Mashi supervises the whole medical team, and we have a psychiatric nurse practitioner, we have a clinical pharmacist, a PharmD, myself and our medical assistants. And so we, we deal with the big picture of someone's mental health. You know, I like to think of everybody as having this kind of inherent set of tools. And medications can be tools. The person taking the meds still has to do the job, but I'd rather dig a shovel with, I'd rather dig a hole with a shovel than with my bare hands. So meds are a tool, they can help you do a job. So is counseling. Counseling gives you more tools, coping mechanisms, all kinds of strategies. And so we find that by giving people lots of different options to help themselves, we can really provide creative, unique treatment plans for for folks. In other words, medicine isn't the only tool. It's not the only combination. It's a combination. And you know, and there are some patients who they're on maintenance meds and that's, that's about all they need from us. Um, And then there are other people who really need a dynamic approach. So as the, the medical supervisor, I help manage our medical team. Um, You know, things like patients having issues with their meds or this pharmacy said this, or this, the insurance won't let me do that. Navigating that kind of stuff, answering questions about side effects. Um, We also have a couple of really unique services on the medical side that uh, come together nicely with that unique approach. So we are uh, medical marijuana providers. We, we certify patients, It's not a prescription in New York State, but we can certify patients to participate in New York's medical marijuana program. We also have a synthetic ketamine program. It's called Spravato. Yeah, it's a so. nasal spray. Mm-hmm. We, we have this really beautiful historic ballroom that we've converted into our ketamine lounge. It's a very nice relaxing space with individual little alcoves. Um, And we do TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation. And so I also supervise the TMS team. And that is a non-invasive, non-pharmaceutical treatment for uh, medication-resistant depression. Medication-resistant depression, explain that. Because that's one of the things I was gonna ask was about TMS, so. So TMS, so to back up two seconds, TMS is like a big spa chair that you sit in. It kind of looks like a dental chair without all the gear. And there is a tiny probe 
and the probe, you know, comes around the side of the patient. And inside that probe is these super high-powered magnets, like MRI kind of magnets. And when the machine is activated, the magnets move and the probe is placed, you know, millimeters away from a patient's head, right over the part of the brain that is generating neurotransmitters. And that, that probe full of magnets, it induces electromagnetic uh, currents that help create change inside the brain. So no like what medicine. Kind, yeah, what kind of change um, are you talking about here? <laughs> uh, to, trying to think of how to explain this to a wide audience. So it's not an instant change. It's not something that happens overnight, but over a course of treatment, studies find that the neurotransmitter activity is uh, regulated. It's better managed and that symptoms are alleviated. And sometimes patients can have uh, a better response to meds that they've tried in the past after doing TMS. Well, the best thing about TMS, in my opinion, is what they call the long-term durability. So the results tend to get better over time after the treatment is done. So someone has the, the likelihood of feeling better three months after treatment than they did on the last day, and they might feel even better at six, nine, or 12 months after. So you keep improving. It's basically like jumpstarting your brain to get it to create the chemicals it needs and make sure they go where they're supposed to go. I call it directing traffic. So then tell, who, who are your patients? Not, like who needs you? People who feel like they are not being heard by their current medical providers. I would say that the biggest piece of positive feedback I hear is you guys actually care and you're actually listening to me. My experience as a patient, you know, has taught me the hard way that our American healthcare system is very fractured. It's this weird experience of all these specialists who don't even know each other, who have, you know, little to no communication other than sending notes. And it can feel like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. It can also feel like you have to wait months and months and months for an appointment, and then you get a little amount of FaceTime with someone, and you don't get a lot of explanation. Um, I, at least I felt that way personally, going through the healthcare system. So the big thing we do is meet the person and get a big picture sense of who they are. What are they going through? What are their, their needs? What are their deficits? What, what's not going well for them? What do they want? And then we take a look at all of these unique services we have, and we come up with a custom tailored care plan for everybody. So someone might come to you, um, even if they're struggling, I don't know, with weight loss, weight loss. Oh yeah, weight no, gain, we do like weight management. We do weight management. We also have um, outpatient addiction services. So, you know, people who have uh, struggling with their body image and with their weight and they're not sure you know why they can't lose weight for example we, we have a lot of patients who come to us for help with that and we start with the assessment piece we start investigating getting background um we'll order labs you know we'll we'll help look through their background of medical information to see maybe there's a medical condition that was overlooked maybe there's an endocrine issue that we didn't know about and we start investigating and ruling things out and then we can employ a combination of approaches that's best suited for the patient. Maybe it's 
working, you know, with nutritionists, maybe it's mental health counseling, maybe there's a history of disordered eating. We also have pharmaceuticals that we, we can employ too, to help. So it's all about finding what's going to work for that individual. No such so, thing as one size fits all. I got it. So someone just, what, maybe someone just feels like crap. Yeah. Right. We, we hear that all the time. I just don't feel like myself. That's something I hear a lot. Just don't feel like myself. And sometimes patients don't know what they want or need. They just know that the status quo is not okay. And so that's part of the process is um, every single patient who comes to us, we start with a new patient evaluation and we book out at least an hour for that. I've had patients where have done an hour long, you know, eval and said, let's have you come back because we got more to talk about. So do you think, so? I mean, it sounds to me like, we'll call it, I'm in marketing, so a definable yeah. difference is really important, but it sounds to me like a major definable difference with you guys is, is actually at the beginning. It's mm -hmm. the discovery phase. There's yeah. lawyer talk, right? It's, yeah, no, it it's, is. it's figuring discovery. out your real story. So you guys dig in and get a story, whether it takes one hour or two hours, because usually yeah. it's a, it's a 10 minute meeting, right? So it can is be, that yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's absolutely it. It's, you got to know the whole person. I can see a list of symptoms on a piece of paper and know based on the textbook, which medicine is going to treat those symptoms, but that doesn't always apply to the real human. And, and lots of times people are dealing with issues that they don't understand. Uh, our culture doesn't have the greatest psychoeducation. It's getting a lot better. People are becoming more aware of how the brain and emotions and feelings work. We're becoming more aware of what mental health services look like, but the average person doesn't always have a really good idea of what going to a psychiatrist can possibly entail. So a lot of it is about teaching them, like, hey, these are some options you have available to you, what appeals to you. And what's going to work for you, right? And what's gonna work. And you know, people, the average person might not understand that talk therapy can exist in so many different ways. It's not just, sitting in a room with someone and telling them about your day. There's all different kinds of approaches. I mean, there are approaches that are very structured and require worksheets and, you know, very specific exercises. And there is, of course, like talking to someone about what you're going through and helping process day to day. There's, you know, a lot of different forms that mental health treatment can come in. So did Dr. Mashey from the beginning want to have a non-traditional practice? Is that yeah. the idea from the beginning? Yeah, he worked in corporate medicine too. He's worked in corporate healthcare and he loved the patient care. He loved forming relationships with patients, but he didn't like how inside the box everything had to be. Um, one of his attitudes that I also share is if, if, if there's evidence-based proof to suggest that something works, just because it might sound wacky or it's new, if there's evidence to support it, we'll consider it. And so we're constantly adding new services. We were the first clinic in New York State approved to offer Spravato. So that's the ketamine nasal spray. So that was really exciting. We were on the forefront of that. We've been in uh, medical marijuana for, for years, even before I came on board. So Dr. mashi has been a participant in medical marijuana since it first came to New York State. Let me ask about COVID. COVID. Um, and, you know, I have young children. Um, we want them to have 
normal normalcy get to school interact right and there's the that balancing aspect, sure. it yeah um i see i i break it into two categories adults and then kids this mm-hmm. has been a mentally uh challenging five months oh yeah right it's been an odyssey yeah now have have you noticed that with your practice absolutely absolutely um we've taken on new patients who've come to us just because they're struggling to navigate this new world under covid and i've seen a lot of change in our our pre-existing patients it's been a very tough time for many people uh the isolation the disruption to routine for people who like to go out and about and do things or people who aren't going to work anymore. On the flip side, you have how redundant it is for some people and that, that becomes a grind. It's, it's affecting everybody in so many ways. It's, it's unprecedented for our generations, you know, for the people who are alive today who live in the United States we've never been through anything like this before yeah we're we're pre- we're pretty spoiled the last couple yeah, of generations pretty, we've been pretty, pretty spoiled so so it's this is um but i know there's not because uh, uh, there's not a one answer for everybody i understand no. that but do you have advice for or like what can what can people do that are just like you said you know some of them are just a there's been so many changes and they're bumped, you know, they're depressed. What, well, maybe they're not depressed. It's just, they're just having a tough time. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a stinks. tough time. Yeah. Um, just, what can I do? You know, so I, there are several things people can do, you know, number one, manage your expectations. Back in March, I was talking to patients. I said, don't think that this is going to be a month or two, like get into your head that like we're looking at 18 to 24 months. Because if you start to accept that earlier on, you can avoid the letdown every time you realize it's still going. Um, And I don't think any of us know when it's going to end and what the end even looks like. That's really hard to define. Is it the the release of a vaccine? You know, how do we know when when we're ready to go back to real life? We won't know until we get there. So for now, managing expectations that it might take a while. Um, The big thing I've talked to a lot of patients about is find ways to evoke joy in your everyday life. If you're not going to work, if you're at home and it's very mundane, find new ways to stimulate yourself. Find ways to connect with things that you do like, even if you can't actually go and do them. Maybe that's like watching videos of live music on TV or watching travel documentaries to see other places because you can't go to them. If you're the kind of person who that brings you a little, you know, reminiscent pleasure at the experience, for some people it might just be a bummer because they can't really go do it. Um, Staying busy, staying occupied, staying stimulated, especially for the folks who are working from home and not going out much. A big thing I'm noticing is are when you're working at home and you're in that same environment day in and day out, your brain doesn't get to process the amount of new data that it does when you're, when you're all over the place coming and going. Like think about driving. Think of how much work your brain has to do just for you to drive a car to work. It seems routine to us. We do it by rote, but in actuality, like that's a pretty impressive feat. You're taking in environmental factors, your defensive driving, you're wondering what all these other cars are going to do and keeping that in mind, you're navigating directions, it's hand-eye coordination. 
when I was working at home for three and a half months, my brain didn't get to go through that exercise every day when I just walked from one room to the other room where my laptop is. So how do I engage my brain? I started doing Sudoku puzzles and paint by number. There is something called diamond painting, which if anyone listening doesn't know what it is, it is such a beautifully weird corner of arts and crafts. <laughs> it's super weird. Um, but yeah, these, these things, I was doing Sudoku puzzles, different kind of like math puzzles, logic puzzles, because I wanted to make sure my brain was getting some stretched in some different directions that it might not if I'm just going from my bedroom to my office to work. Well, it's mental exercise, mental. just like physical exercise. If you don't, if, you know, you're going to get to atrophy if, if you're yeah. not exercising that muscle. So, so you're so that, that's interesting. You're saying that for those that uh, switch, because some people have worked from home forever, you know, but yeah. for those that have to switch uh, all of a sudden and work mm-hmm. from home, that that the stimulation of actually going to work uh, worked your brain. And yeah. so your brain hasn't been worked enough. So you got to figure not out. Working. Yeah, yeah. When you're at the office, you have to, you know, you're looking at different people all day. You're reading their facial expressions. You're analyzing. There's so much subconscious work that you have to do just to go to your job, no matter what your job is. Um, so for people who've had that big switch where now they're at home and it's very routine or monotonous or, or mundane, one of the, the things we've talked about a lot is find ways to, to stretch your brain in different directions. Um, for people who are able to get up physically and move, I know that mobility issues you know, can affect a lot of people, but for those who are able to get up and move around, I can't emphasize how helpful physical movement is, intentional movement. I call it intentional movement. So not just, you know, I, well, I did the dishes, so I was up and moving. Like designate some time, if you're able to, to do something physical, whether that's gardening or taking the dog for a walk or doing jumping jacks in place. Um, because again, it's that, that stimulation. It's giving your, your brain and body a piece of, of data and activities to take in. So you're not just doing the same thing. Right. So work out the brain, work out, work out the, the brain, work out the body, which we've, we've kind of always known. Stretch it out. Yeah, always, exactly. Well, I, I mean, it's been, you know, uh, well documented. Exercise is good. I think we've, we've, um, I think I'm wondering if one of the positives of, of COVID would be even uh, more um, awareness of mental health. I think it is. I think we've been in an era of mental health getting a lot more attention the past several years anyways. Um, the younger generations of folks, the, the younger patients who come in, they're very well informed and they understand you know, um, that there are options available to help them when they're struggling. Um, which is awesome to see. It's exciting to see people who openly embrace the idea of asking for help when they need it. Um, but but yeah, I think I think that will definitely come out of COVID. I've heard a lot of you know like on the news and social media and stuff that's saying that that's the big after effect of COVID is going to be the mental health crisis that that follows. I think we're already seeing it though. We're already seeing aspects of it. Um, and I want to go back to something you, you touched on earlier too. It was, um, I had thought that a, a while ago about 
the pro a lot of the difficulty in not just with COVID with anything is uncertainty. Yeah. And there is, I mean, like you said, I mean, is there going to be a vaccine? Are there going to be medical? Is this thing going to just go away where we thought it would go away in the summer? It's going to be too warm. Is hydrochloroquine? What, what is it that's going to help us uh, get through this? Is it mask? No mask. Now it looks like mask for sure. It's mask um, for sure. Yeah. Mask for sure. But it's, 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 the mental approach to me is accept the fact that you're just not sure. I yep. mean, you, you just don't know. And if, you know, if you're to your point is, so we, we may be another year. And so pretend it's another year and a half, just accept it. Then if it's accept any shorter, it. you've managed that expectation. Right? Now you get a present. Exactly. If it ends up being shorter, that's a bonus. That's the cherry on top. But if you're, preparing yourself for the long haul now, you're not going to keep getting let down every time it doesn't come through for you. Uh, in all things in life, you know, there are always so many factors that are outside of our control. And that's something that we always see patients grappling with is these factors that are out of our control. And I always like to talk to folks about like, take everything that's in your control and put it in one hand and everything that's out of your control and put it in the other. And now focus on the stuff that you can actually control because that's, that's where it becomes so stressful is trying to fix things and worry about things and predict things that you just can't. I can't control someone else's behavior. I can't control the outcome of COVID. I can't control when a vaccine will be developed. That's just out of my personal power right now. So what's in my personal power? What can I actually have a say in? I can have a say in what I do day to day, my routine, uh, how I invest my time and energy, the things I eat, the things I listen to, the, the things I, I do every day. And so that's where I find it is more productive to, to invest your, your, your focus. Did you learn that through your cancer battle? Probably. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I mean I, yeah, probably. I grew up in a wacky household. I love my family very, very much. Um, but probably even younger than that, just always kind of learned to roll with the punches. Yeah, it's pretty apparent. Um, really cool. So uh, uh, Landmark Health Systems, um, you are in Allentown in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, accepting so, new patients. Yeah, and accepting new patients. There's a, there's a plug. So psychiatry, addiction medicine, yep. medical marijuana. Um, I Chronic don't know. Chronic pain, you know. Well, well, yeah, pain. Uh, mental yep. pain, mental health, weight management, depression, anxiety. Even if you don't even know where to start, we, we'll, we'll do our very best to help. What's ketamine therapy? Ketamine, that's the spravado, the synthetic oh, ketamine. gotcha. Yeah, ketamine okay. is a dissociative psychedelic drug, chemical, and it has, oh, it's, it's had a role in, in a medicinal pharmaceutical use for a while. Its use in mental health is something that's newer, that's pretty exciting. And spravado is a synthetic form of ketamine, and it's delivered through a nasal spray. So patients get cozy in a nice lounge chair with some blankets and dim the lights and they self-administer the nasal spray. And then they hang out with us in our lounge for a couple hours and they get to feel the effects and then it, you know, then it relaxes off. How does that differ from medical marijuana and the effects of it? 
medical marijuana they do at home, right? Medical marijuana you do at home. Medical marijuana, you get certified by a provider, and then you go to a dispensary and get the products, and then you can use it on your own. And there's a dynamic range of products. There's all different kinds of strains and strengths and, you know, CBD versus THC. So that's a very exciting world. Um, The effects of Spravato, it's probably pretty intense, you know, uh, compared to medical marijuana. But again, some medical marijuana products might also be pretty intense. You know, the, the threshold I always use is you shouldn't drive a car. So there are some medical marijuana products that you should not drive a car when you're using them. Spravato, you cannot drive yourself home from the appointment. You have to have a designated driver. Well, um, this has been interesting. I am I'm fascinated by your story and your your attitude. Your Thank attitude you. is great, and I think people can learn from you. I, I mean, it's, you. it's it's not you know I'm not I don't know. I guess I I want to say I'm not like perky and upbeat every single day. You know, I'm oh, human. I have mm-hmm. I have my stressors. I have my bad days, um, but the first place to start making your life better is to just make the decision that you want to make your life better. You have to gravitate towards people and things and actions that make you happy, that bring you joy. And so even on the most stressful, you know, hard days, I I have to give myself, you know, access to the things that make me smile, whether that's like the music I listen to on my way home or the food I eat for dinner, um, you know, you have to find ways to make sure you get that access to to the best of your ability. Great advice. So listen, if, if someone out there, if you're listening or, or watching on YouTube, um, if you're not feeling like yourself, if you feel like maybe you're not being heard by... If you're not your, coping. Yeah. Or you're... Or you're I don't know, your primary care just isn't hearing you or whatever, you know, not some. Primary cares are amazing. They're the backbone of the American healthcare system. Um, I love my primary -hmm. primary care physician. She's incredible. But they have to be able to treat so many things and have such a wide awareness. The benefit of coming to a specialist, like a psychiatrist, here we are, mental health world, is that this is our jam. Like, this is what we're focused on. And the depth of knowledge we have about the the different meds and treatments and modalities, it's going to be so much richer or more rich? Which is correct? Richer? Uh, Richer. It's going to be richer than what you could get at a primary care physician. And then we both have to cooperate to take care of the whole person because your brain doesn't exist separately from the rest of you. Yeah. You don't want to abandon the primary care. What you're hoping for is a partnership, right? Exactly. And that's what we like to do. We like to collaborate with our patients, other providers. We like to help with that continuity of care. We have patients who come in and they're like, I have a counselor already, but I think I need medicine. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll work with your counselor. Or I'm already on meds, but I need someone to talk to. Okay. Right. So you you would actually work with not just primary cares, but other counselors as well. Yeah. You guys do. And we coordinate care with all kinds of specialists, you know? Okay. We have patients who end up getting referred to endocrinologists or, you know, um, I'm working on something today for someone who needs to go see a sleep specialist. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so we'll help coordinate that and connect the dots. If there's other physical health problems going on, your mental health is always going to be affected. In nursing, we say all nursing is psych nursing because your mentality always matters in every other way. So when you look at a person as a whole, a big picture, and you have to take care of all those, all those different needs, you can't just isolate. You can't just have talk therapy, but ignore the tooth that's hurting. Are you connecting with, with other, are you, whatever, we, I just, I, can't, I mentioned PCPs earlier, whatever, uh, of other doctors, of others in the industry, are you getting sure, pushback from them? Are you connecting, no. you know? We try, we, we, you know, I don't, I don't always have like a, an hour long conference call with a primary care about a patient, but there's definitely times where we're exchanging information and, and really talking. Um, I've had endocrinologists who send me messages to talk about a mutual patient. I have had lengthy phone calls with patients, other providers to help coordinate that care. Sometimes it is just sending notes and, and doing that. Um, lots of counselors reach out to say, hey, I know you guys manage so-and-so's meds, but I noticed this at their last appointment, wanted to keep you in the loop. And it, it's helpful. The communication is helpful. Have we received pushback? No, I mean, we're, we're small, we're a startup, we don't have, you know, uh, I, I guess we don't have a ton of name recognition necessarily, maybe, maybe that's part of it, but we've been working to get our name out there. Um, last fall, we did a provider open house event that was awesome, and we invited a lot of area providers from all different aspects of healthcare and mental health um, to come meet up with us, and, you know, we do collaborate with other mental health providers. Right, so Talk it's not, all the time. we're not pushing and advocating to dump your providers. We're just saying, so no. if you feel like you, you just maybe not completely being heard, you need, just need, you need something. And maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe uh, Landmark can be part of the team here and there we can go. help with the, the team. team care, right? Team care. Exactly. Exactly. That's our, that's what we like to, to do. All and right. every person's different. So yeah, we got to just cater to the individual. Well, Rose, I appreciate your time. I really love uh, to hear your insights. I appreciate you sharing all the advice that you gave everybody. Hopefully uh, it has helped people. It is uh, Landmark, so. Health, Landmark Health Systems. Uh, yes. Rose Duggan is the Director of Addiction Medicine. Um, and it's, it's uh, Dr. Mash, uh, Mashi. Mashi. Jared Mashi, MD.com is our okay. website. So J A R O D M A S C I. Check them. Check it out. The worst yeah. thing that can happen is maybe it's not a connection. Okay. So, but but the only way you know is to to go and meet them, talk about things. If you're yeah, not feeling and right, that you know, and that's for for folks in right? the Buffalo area who feel mm -hmm. like they need that help. If you're listening or watching and you don't live anywhere near me, look, check out what resources are available in in your area. See if there is a mental health provider near you that does offer some innovative approaches and look for that kind of a mentality. I tell people do that too. They're like, oh, I'm moving to so-and-so. Who would you send me to? And those are the kinds of qualities that I would look for. Who seems innovative? Who mentions that they care about the whole person and that, you know, they have this dynamic approach. Uh, great. Um, and don't oh, I settle. appreciate it. Thank, yeah. yeah, don't settle. Don't, don't sit settle. on it either. No, Don't if something is not right, ask for help, please. 
All right, Rose, thank you. Again, uh, Landmark Health Systems uh, in Buffalo. Uh, they are in, Allen, in the Allentown neighborhood. Me. Sure, thank you. Thank Thanks you for your so time. Much. Great story. Congratulations to you. Keep fighting. Keep fighting the fight. And uh, look forward to connecting with you again real soon. Thank you. All right, you can uh, download all of our uh, Sidewalk Talk podcasts on uh, your podcast platform of choice, whatever it is, iTunes, uh, uh, Spotify. You can also watch any of our podcasts by visiting our website, shovelthesidewalk.com. And if you have a story or someone you know has a story um, that, like Roses that you think needs to be shared, uh, heard, it can inspire, inform, or educate anybody out there, there's a form you can fill out, simple form on our website, and uh, we'll get in contact with you and we'll help tell your story. So thanks again for uh, watching, for listening, for participating. I'm Steve Fortunato, and this has been Sidewalk Talk.